Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a cookbook author and longtime journalist. And today I have a very special episode for you. This is the 100th episode of the podcast. So welcome to the 100th episode of the podcast. It's crazy to even say that. I was really debating what I should do for this episode. I was like, should I have a really special guest on? Should I have a panel of people interviewing me? But eventually I came to the idea that it just felt right to kind of have a conversation with you, with the community who's helped this podcast reach 100 episodes, which is just such an exciting milestone. So I asked on Instagram for you to all send in your questions, things that you wanted me to talk about on the podcast. And I want you to pretend that we're just having like a cozy conversation together, that you have your tea, that you're curled up on the couch next to me, and that we're just chatting away and getting to know each other. It just felt fitting as a way to celebrate. Of course, you can't technically be here in person. So I have a surrogate for you who was so kind to go through all of the questions that you sent in. You sent in literally thousands, and I didn't want to kind of see them and pick them and prepare for them ahead of time. I wanted to have it have that sort of more like natural conversational feel. So special guest, do you want to say hi? Hello. This is my husband, Zach, and he was kind enough to join me on the podcast today, and he went through all of your questions. He's probably a known voice to many of you. He's joined me on quite a few of the episodes. You're actually on the very first episode of the podcast. Absolutely. I just realized that. That's so sweet. You just realized that? Well, I knew it, but it's actually very sweet that maybe I'll have you come and like every hundredth miles, I mean, you'll probably be on more than that, but it's sweet that you were on the very first one and then you're on the hundredth one. I like this one in a hundred commitment. It seems, <laughs> it seems really good to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so fun. I feel like I was just, we were at Ben's apartment, remember? Yeah. Borrowing his equipment. Borrowing his equipment because I didn't have, my friend had hosted a podcast and I didn't have my own equipment. And I was like, is this even a good idea? I don't know. And so we went over to his apartment and he just kind of sat in the corner and listened to us talk. Like a champion. Anyway, Zach went through my Instagram. He went through all of the questions that you sent in. Zach, did you have any criteria for selecting the questions that you did? Yeah, I picked the first ones. Just because there were thousands. So I was just like, okay, cool. First 20. So if you got in there early. This is why you're only like, invited work. every hundred episodes. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, um, I tried to basically split the difference or find the questions in the Venn diagram of juicy and most often asked. Oh, so okay. these are things that the people want to know. The people want to know. <laughs> and some that lean more to the juicier side of all things. All right. I'm yeah. curious what's juicy. Okay. Do you want to just like kick us off, get into it? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's mostly all about GI stuff. So like, <laughs> no? <laughs> I feel like you know too much about my GI. <laughs> you guys should just interview Zach about my GI and yeah. you'll be like, well, she's very regular. No, no, no. <laughs> A lot of people are really interested in your career journey. Journey? It's the, been a the journey. Word journey comes up. But basically kind of your career trajectory, how you got started as a podcast host, how you got started as a journalist, a cookbook author, kind of the whole entrepreneur, really, the whole gamut. So why don't you kind of give us a a little timeline? Well, I worked at Jamba Juice when I was 15. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's going to be a long timeline, guys. (laughs) No, you guys, I only worked at Jamba Juice for a week. I thought it would be really fun and I was not great at it. But shortly thereafter, I got my first real job, I would say. Basically, my hometown had a local paper and I went into the local paper and I said, I think you guys should have a column 
that relates to teenagers that's written by a teenager, and I happen to be a teenager, so I think it should be written by me. Oh, actually, no. You know what? Before I even wrote the column, I did a few articles for the local newspaper. I didn't know that. You don't know my Hootie and the Blowfish story? I know the Hootie and the Blowfish story, but I didn't know that the timeline came prior to you having a column. I thought you had a column for that. No. So that was just like I pitched Hootie and the Blowfish, which is like a band there, the band that was like, hold my hand. Imagine needing to be told who Hootie and the Blowfish is. <laughs> I know. That's like my <laughs> most popular comment on TikTok. Sting has like a TikTok where Sting is introducing himself. And I wrote in the comments, imagine being Sting and having to introduce yourself. And half the comments are like, who is Sting? And half the comments are like, it is crazy that Sting feels like Sting needs to introduce Sting stuff. Hey guys, Sting here. <laughs> he literally is that. He's like, hey guys, I was in a band called The Police. <laughs> and I'm just like, every every breath you... Okay, I'm going to... People are going to tune out if I keep singing. I don't know why I'm celebrating my 100th episode with singing. Anyway, Hootie and the Blowfish was coming to town. And I was like, this would be a really great article for the paper. So I called... The State Theater, which is where they were playing, I was like, oh, I'm a journalist for the Modesto Bee. Can I have the band manager's information because I'm doing a feature piece? And I had not pitched this to the paper at this point. So then they like were like, oh, yeah, sure. Here's the band's manager wow. information. So I called the band's manager and I was like, hi, I need like 20 minutes with Hootie and his blowfish <laughs> show. <laughs> and and they were like, oh, yeah, we can do like 20 minutes before the show. You can go here for your backstage passes or whatever. And again, this is like a pretty small theater. It's not a big town. And then I called the paper and I was like, guys, I have this exclusive interview with Hootie. <laughs> and, and they were like, oh, we would love an interview with Hootie. That sounds great. So I went down there and first I think they were like, you're 15. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small town paper. Times are hard. But then Hootie was like, you really remind me. His name is Darius Rucker. <laughs> I don't know if I'd even done enough research to know that when I showed up. But he was like, you really remind me of my daughter. And I think it actually ended up being like a pretty special interview because I surprised them by being 15 when I showed up. But I had my little I went to Best Buy or Radio Shack or something like that. And I bought a little recorder that day. And I was like, oh, because the journalists in the movies always have their little like recorder thing. I'd buy that. It sounds professional. And then I transcribed it in my computer room. <laughs> Liz, you can't tell this, but Liz is doing a hand tapping gestures to show me that she was in fact in a computer room tapping on a keyboard. Transcribing it. Yeah. So I had that. So I already had a little bit of a relationship with the paper when I pitched my column and they were down for the column. I think this is literally where the core of my never be the, the one to say no to yourself philosophy comes out. This sounds transformative, honestly. Literally, I had no business doing any of this, but this column changed my life. It actually ended up running for six years, and it went from being this column in the local paper. It started in the Thursday section. They moved it to the Sunday section because it was very popular. It ended up replacing Dave Barry's column when he retired. I don't know if you remember him. He was like a Pulitzer Prize winning humorist. He was a big icon of mine for a long time. He's a wonderful writer. And then when I was on vacation with my dad, I feel like we were in Morocco or Turkey or something like that. We were in a small town with no fax machines is the important part of the story because I got an email from 
my editor saying that McClatchy, which is the larger syndicate that published my local newspaper, was interested in running my column nationally. And they were like, all we need is for you to fax back this contract. And I just remember running around. Oh, what? <laughs> it's like probably the only time I ever used. My dad was like, oh, fax machines. I can help. <laughs> And we, I just remember running around this like small town looking for a fax machine, which we eventually found. So then my column ran in newspapers all around the country, which was really, really cool. I wrote it for six years, I want to say. It helped me get into like graduate level creative writing courses at my college. It really helped sort of shape and jumpstart my writing career. And then when I graduated from college, I already had six years of work experience under my belt in a professional capacity. So that really put me in a good place when I entered the workforce. And it sounds like it kind of inspired your drive to, you know, make, make your own major. Cause you, when we met, you were, so, uh, Liz and I met at Berkeley and she was like, I was like, I'm in da da da. And she's like, I'm in my own thing. And she, it feels so Berkeley. It's so Berkeley, but she's like, she's like, I merged psychology and journalism and creative writing into my own major. And now I have this. Do you remember thing. what it was called? I think it was called. Oh yeah. The, Cause you had to give it a name. Yeah. The, the like psychology the, of representation of personality or something like that. Like in narrative. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, the idea was I would study how people functioned in real life via psychology so that I could represent that better in my writing. And I do think my column really inspired that. I really thought I was going to be a full-time writer at that point, whether it was a fiction writer or editorial, which I, you know, ultimately ended up Dude. But yeah. <laughs> but there was a little zigzag. So then I graduated into the recession and I was really depressed. I couldn't find a job for like a while. When there wasn't like a lot of editorial in the Bay Area. There was and, no editorial. And there wasn't – you started looking – I think in what, like marketing and PR and kind of yeah. like the, the the more corporate world of writing for quite a bit. And eventually I found a job at a new startup, which actually ended up being really cool. I helped on the product sets. It was a very small shop and I was like their third hire. And so I got to do a lot in terms of product. And then I also got to run a small editorial team there, which was really fun. And I ended up meeting the Ben who helped us record our very first episode. The same Ben. <laughs> I hired him for his first job out of college. He's wearing a lavender sweater, and I invited him over to our house to the interviews because it was not very professional, and our cat liked him. So I was like, well, he, he's a gentle soul. Very, very uh, Silicon Valley <laughs> vibes. Um, yeah, and so I worked at this startup for a little bit, and then we eventually folded. And the founders just had really disparate ideas of what it should ultimately be and what its function should be. And I think then I was like, I want to move to New York I want to see if I can get a job in New York. And you were like, okay, you can try it. Like, good for you, whatever. And so I got- I was more supportive. Not no, no, for no. you, whatever. You, you were like <laughs> excited about the idea of potentially moving to New York. And so I applied for what I thought was my dream job in New York. I told them that I lived in New York because everybody told me that you couldn't get hired out of state because nobody wanted to pay like out of state moving costs. So I used my friend's address in New York. Although now I'm like, don't put your address on your resume. That's like one of my hot resume trips. Don't put your age. <laughs> a weird thing to do. Don't put your address. But I used my friend's address. I had an interview and they were like, oh, can you like come in Monday at nine? I was like, no problem. So I booked a flight and it was an overnight flight because I was still at the age where I thought it was totally fine to do an overnight flight and then go into the morning interview. I'm not tired. You're tired. Yeah, it was not something I would do anymore <laughs> at all. Um, but I remember landing on the plane and I turned on my phone to check my email and the email in my inbox was like, 
I'm so sorry. We've decided to hire internally. We don't need you to come in for the interview anymore. I don't think you ever told me that you never made it to the interview. I literally never. I was sitting on the plane and I was like devastated. One, because I'm afraid of flying. So I was like, I literally risked my life to go to this job interview. Uh, And then two, I was like, these are all of my hopes and dreams. And they, of course, thought it was super casual. They're just like, oh, she'll like do something else on Monday. They didn't realize I'd flown across the country to go to this interview. It was awful. It was devastating. So basically, I decided I'd go stay at my friend's house. I slept on our couch for a week. And I was like, I'm going to see if I can get a job offer for a job that I like in this week. And if I can, then it's a sign that I should stay in New York. And if I can't, then I will leave. So um, (laughs) the forces are against me and I'm not meant to be here. And by the end of the week, I had three job offers, which just, it felt very meant to be. It felt very, there's like a lot of Synchronity? How do you say that? It very Synchronicity? S- Synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. And it sounds, it sounds like that's not right, Zach. So like, <laughs> sorry, sorry if I got that wrong. I read more words than I say. <laughs> and yeah, there was a lot of synchronicity there. So I- Big word. <laughs> so I decided to take this job as the director of storytelling at a marketing company, mostly because I think I like the title. (laughs) You definitely like the title. And they gave me, it was a fun job. They gave me a lot of creative leeway. I think I just like, I had internalized so many narratives about how creative people should act. So I did weird shit in the workplace because I was like a creative person would like sit in the middle of the office. Although like stuff that (laughs) definitely would go over just fine in like a wellness workplace or like a tech company workplace. I don't, if I had tried to do this stuff at MindBodyGreen, they would have been like, girl, get back to your desk. You would just like do like yoga over in like the middle That's of the floor true. somewhere. But like. everybody else was doing yoga in the middle of the yeah, floor exactly, in my right. body grade at least. But I was like, it's part of my process, guys. Like I was really trying to like create this like cult of personality around my creative process there. But it was really fun. And a fun part of the job is by the end of it, me and a team member were basically consulting full time for Rodale, which is the publishing imprint that publishes men's health, women's health, runner's world, et cetera. They do magazines. They do books. Although I think their book division's now been taken over by Clarkson Potter. I think their whole era is like a very like tumultuous last like it's decade. A very in tumultuous <laughs> last decade in publishing, but it was really fun. So we were actually working out of the Rodale office. By the end of it, we were working on exclusively women's health and men's health and a little bit of runners' world projects. And it was just a really great way to get my hand in the editorial world, which I was so interested in. I'd been interested in for so long. I was such an avid magazine reader when I was a kid. I loved like YM. <laughs> 17. I've I've read American Girl magazine when I was like way younger. Like I just like loved magazines so much. They were my you hated my magazine addiction. Oh my God. We used to have piles of magazines in the house, like stacks. Like we used it as furniture. And there was some point, and I think this company ended up being like bought by Apple and because Apple, I like Apple to reread it. them. But there's this company that like almost did like a some sort of digital aggregator of magazines. and there That was, still exists. Do you still use it? Yeah, I read magazines. That's why do you think we don't have magazines around? Yeah, no, but when they came out, I just forget what it's called. I forget what it's called too. Yeah. But Apple News bought them. Apple News bought it and now it's all on Apple News. But like, but there was like, it came out and it was like a single subscription and she had all of them on her iPad and my whole life changed. And then he proposed. And then I proposed. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he was like, I guess I can live with yeah, this for the rest this of my life. <laughs> But I love magazines. I just loved the world of storytelling in that way, that sort of short form storytelling. So it's really nice to be back in sort of like the, 
editorial world to be in the New York editorial world, which had always been my dream, and to get a little bit of a taste of that. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 by Athletic Greens maybe five years ago because I was traveling a lot and I wanted an alternative to green smoothies when I was on the go. I actually don't think that I've taken a trip without it since because it makes such a difference with travel constipation. I went from having constant gut problems on trips to being able to poop regularly and also still feeling energized even though when I travel, I'm usually mainlining croissants like five times a day. The energy element is the main reason I started to bring it into my daily life. As I'm sure you're very sick of hearing me say, I don't drink coffee or any type of caffeinated tea in the morning. It just messes with my anxiety too much and it makes me feel jittery and then crashy later. Now, when I feel sluggish in the morning, I mix a scoop of AG1 into water and chug it down. It's honestly like instant energy. And unlike caffeine, it's real energy that comes from flooding your body with nutrients, not stealing from your adrenals. So there's no jitters, no crash, nothing. Just this feeling of like vim and vigor and being ready to take on the day. AG1 has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens that were specifically selected to support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. And maybe even more importantly, they actually use clinically researched amounts of everything they include. So you're actually getting the studied benefits. I checked on that because a lot of times, even if it actually says something on the package, it's like such a tiny pinch that it's basically just marketing. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no artificial anything. And they're third-party tested, which is always so important to look for. I know you're going to ask how it tastes, and I'm going to be honest, I actually love it. It tastes a little sweet, a little grassy, and really bright and fresh. I'd say it's like a really good green juice. I've also come to crave the flavor simply because I associate it with making me feel so good. I've basically pavlobbed myself. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash healthier together. I love the travel packs. I keep one with me at pretty much all times, and the vitamin D3 and K2 is amazing. You actually want to make sure that you look for K2 with your D3 because the K2 helps the D transport calcium to your bones where it's needed rather than calcifying in your arteries. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash healthier together to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, let's get back to the episode. Then Zach got into a graduate program in England, so we moved to England. That's where I had my mental breakdown. (laughs) Whoops. Which is a whole different story, but that's sort of where my agoraphobia and anxiety really reached its peak. I wasn't able to work as much as I had been working before, but in good news, it really led me down the path of trying to take care of my body and trying to take care of my mind. So I kind of employed the journalism skills that I had developed up until that point, and I was reaching out to doctors and professors and neuroscientists and being like, hi, I have really bad anxiety. Like, what's going on in my brain? What can I do to help my brain feel better? And a lot of them actually responded, which was sort of incredible. And so I started kind of making a routine for myself based on these people's responses. And that was really my first foray into 
the world of wellness. I was doing a little bit of freelance writing at the time, and I remember kind of shifting my freelance writing to be about wellness because it was interesting to me. I was like, oh, you can eat these things and they impact your body in this way. You can move your body. I got into meditation for the first time, and it was really fascinating to me that what I put in my body and how I move my body impacted how my body felt in such a great way and more importantly how my mind felt. I really went from a place where I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't leave my house without having a panic attack to being a fully functioning human. So we came back to the U.S. I'd really shifted my writing, my focus to be about wellness and I'd started developing my own recipes because I wanted to employ all of this knowledge that I was accumulating from different experts. So I was working my recipes And I think I just started an Instagram randomly. I was like, I'm talking to everybody in my life about all of this wellness stuff. So I want – Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think like the the timeline was something along the lines of first – you started like making smoothies in the UK. That Jamba Juice lesson really (laughs) coming back to uh, materialize. But I remember like enough people were asking you for recipes about it that you had little printouts that you were like giving to like friends and families of that. And you're like, I should just put this online. And then you put some on Instagram – and then it went really well. And then you kind of start, you're like, you're like, oh, this Instagram thing is like cool. And then you kind of started putting more posting. stuff. And then I think. Well, I, I know what happened oh, after that. Yes. Good. <laughs> then, then you go. So I started pitching my Instagram to different publications. And I kind of knew how to pitch because by then I had been writing for gosh, almost a decade. And so I would write little pitches and I'd be like, oh, you should cover this recipe I featured on my Instagram. And it worked. So I got to have my Instagram featured in like Glamour in women's health. And then for women's health, I ended up doing, I pitched them a healthy popsicle summer series. And they were like, super fun. We love it. You'll do a different healthy popsicle day for like a week. And I was like, cool, fun. And I did it. And then I realized that I had never seen a cookbook about healthy popsicles. So I did a little bit of like due diligence and I was like, I wonder if there's a book idea here. And I didn't see any books about it. So I literally Googled like how to write a cookbook proposal and followed the instructions that I found on various websites, created a cookbook proposal, literally didn't know anything about this. This was so new to me. And then I was like, how to find a cookbook agent? And I sent Ah, uh, Google. Yeah. I mean, it's really like I do think Google is such an underutilized source. I was asking Mariana Hewitt on a recent episode. And you mean of the like podcast, ser- searching the internet, like just like trying searching to find the internet. internet. Yeah. Sorry. We're not not to specifically shout out Google. But I had Mariana Hewitt on a recent episode of the podcast, and I was sort of asking her, like, how did you start your brand? How did you start Summer Fridays? Which is this huge mega selling Sephora brand now. And I was like, how did you know how to like do fulfillment? How to do formulation, all of these things. And she's like, we literally just search for how to do formulation and like factories and all of these things. And you can find so much information on the internet because if you're trying to do something, chances are somebody has tried to do it before you. So I literally did that. I got an agent and within like a week after that, we had seven publishing houses who were bidding on the book. And I went with Clarkson Potter, their division of Random House. They're sort of a prestige publishing house. They make sexy books. They make really beautiful books and they're very famous in the industry for that. And they also publish a lot of very 
famous cookbook authors. And I kind of wanted to, I don't know, like group myself in with these people who were idols of mine, who were icons of mine. You had finished grad school by that point. We were living back in New York. We were engaged. I remember that we were having like our engagement party at the same time that I was going around to my meetings at all the different publishing houses to kind of decide which publisher I wanted to go with. Do you remember that? Those were exciting times. It was. It felt like the world was opening back up to me, especially after I'd spent so much time like literally in bed, like clenched in a ball of panic. The world literally felt like it was opening up to me. And it was really beautiful. And so at the time I was working on the book, I was still freelance writing and I was reading Mind Body Green, which is a wellness website. It was just a website I really enjoyed reading as a consumer every day. And I went to their jobs page because I was like, I need to get a full-time job now that we're back in America. And book money is not enough. It was my- you, can't, you can't live <laughs> off healthy popsicles alone? Yeah, it was not. And I'd finished, I want to say, about half of the book by the time I saw the job listing on Mind Buddy Green. So I was like, okay, like the book is mostly done. It's not going to come out for like a year because book timelines are crazy. And I could do this job if I got it. So I went in for the interview. I got the job, which was really exciting. And then I ended up just sort of like working my way up through the ranks at Mind Body Green until I was the food director, which is essentially the person who runs all of the food content at the site. So anything that came out with food, whether it was something that a brand was doing with the site, whether it was a video thing with the site, if social was doing something food related, we would talk about that. And then everything that was written in the food section on the site was either edited by me or written directly by me, which was honestly my dream job. It was so wonderful. It was this chance to really get to work in the editorial world in New York in a really great position in it. I got to go to amazing restaurants. I got to go on press trips. I got sent any new healthy food that existed came across my desk. Do you remember my desk at My Buddy Green? It was piles of cookbooks and like pi- like like bags and snacks. of snacks. <laughs> it was literally like cookbooks and snacks. And people would stop by my desk throughout the day and be like, I need like a snack. I need a tea. I need a drink. Being the food editor makes you a very popular person. I you say, just go do yoga in the middle of the office any day. And, and you could still do yoga in the middle of the office. And I'd say the beauty editor and the food editor are like the most popular positions in any office because they get the best free stuff. <laughs> And the idea with the free stuff, just if you're unfamiliar with the editorial world, is that you're supposed to be the person who tries everything and then you can recommend the things that are the best things to your audience. So it's actually a really similar thing. I think people wonder about influencer gifting a lot and they're like, why do the influencers just like get sent all this free stuff? And the idea behind it is really similar to editorial, which is that you don't literally have enough money to buy and try everything that you should be trying to make the best recommendation to your audience. So they send it to you and the idea is that you try it and then you can make recommendations that you really, really stand behind. I don't know if everybody even influencers like know that that's I, like because that's a structure that it is and that's a structure that it was in editorial and definitely I think some brands these days with influencers and, and some influencers 
look at it as like a bribe. It's like, oh, I'm going to bribe you with these yeah. goods to like talk about me. But it's I like, think it's, it's, but more it's, like, it's supposed to be more like you're acting like a filter. Like yeah, you're, you're acting you're, as literally an editor. You're mm, editing down mm, from like the this name means something. large amount of things to the things that are really worth somebody's time or somebody's money, which is a job I still do in my influencer life today. And I take very seriously. I don't want people wasting their time or wasting their money. So I worked at Mind Body Green for I think like three years. And I ended up leaving to go on tour for my second cookbook, which was Healthier Together. And really just to put my whole weight behind my social media, behind the cookbook. The cookbook tour was incredible. We went all over the United States. We went to Austin and Seattle and Denver and San Francisco and LA and Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, it was really, really, really wonderful. And then I was also started the podcast. So I've been doing the podcast now for two years. And I um, went full time with the podcast. I started doing the weekly episodes like six months ago, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's only like six months ago that I started doing the weeklies. It feels like it's been a while. <laughs> weekly podcasts are hard. The weekly podcasts are hard. I also think I put so much work into my podcast. If I have a guest on who's written a book, I read the book. I take like copious notes. I listen to any other interviews that they've done so that I'm not repeating content. I just treat it as like, wow, I got this really incredible guest on. I want to make sure I get the most possible value out of this guest for my community here. And I take that job very, very seriously. So sometimes I think I like over prep. <laughs> like I could be more casual, I think. But yeah. What is the process of editing the podcast? It's actually people, people want to know. Was that like a real question? That you Shh, go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so my process is I record it sometimes in person, sometimes remotely, obviously for the last two years. The podcast actually was, I was like very intent on it always being in person at the beginning. And I would you fly were, yeah. to different cities to record with my guests. And then obviously that changed during the pandemic. And I've kind of kept it remote because we bop around so much. Well, and also because it means that you're not limited to the guests that you can find in a location at any given time. Yeah. And I did, fl I flew for guests before, but I do think it widens your scope of guests. Like I've had guests in England and things like that. And I really want to make sure I get the best guests for every single episode. And so virtual is really nice for that. So I record the episode and then I listen back to it and I do all of my content cuts. So I literally just write down timestamps of things that I want to cut out. And that's really just designed to make the episode snappier to listen to, to make it clearer, just to make the listening experience as pleasurable as possible. So you're not just kind of sitting there and you're like, well, what's the point or when are we getting to the point? And then I'll send that off to my editor. His name is David. I've been working with him since, like, since the second or third episode of the podcast. We love David. We love David. He loves me a little less because I always send him the podcast late. Um, <laughs> it's understandable. He'll go in and he'll do all of the audio wizardry. So he'll make it sound really beautiful. He'll cut any like weird background sounds as much as he can. I don't know what he does. I don't understand the audio stuff at all. It's a very awesome profession and bless him and the people <laughs> who do it, who make listening better for everybody out who there. Who make the listening experience really lovely. And then he'll also do my content cuts and then he'll send it back to me and I'll write out the show notes and do some art for it. And then Zach puts it up. It's a very small- Go team. A small little team. And David will also add in, if I have any advertisements to put in, I'll record those. And I'll also record the intro and the outro after I've listened back to the episode and I have a sense of what the episode is really about. Because sometimes you know 
what the questions are, but there's a greater thing that the episode is really about. And I think that's important to sort of tease out in the intro and the outro so that everybody who's listening can get like a little sense of direction with their listening. So people I always People like narrative arcs, it turns out. I like narrative <laughs> arcs at least. So I always do that. And then I put it up and then everybody listens to it. Well, and then we wake up Wednesday morning and we're like, did it go up? And then usually it did. That, that's only Liz. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes things, go, things can go wrong. Podcasts have been posted late. Yeah, it's happened. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. When I worked as a magazine editor, I wrote more than a thousand articles about turmeric because pretty much all of the doctors that I used as sources kept recommending it or citing it as one of the supplements that they would personally take. Here's the background. Turmeric is one of the most powerful ways to fight inflammation. In a nutshell, there are two types of inflammation, acute and chronic. Acute inflammation can actually be a good thing. It's one of the ways that your body heals and repairs itself. But when that system goes haywire, we get chronic inflammation, which essentially makes your body feel like it's constantly under attack. The vast majority of doctors I work with cite chronic inflammation as one of the root causes of so many of our modern ailments, and research links inflammation with heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, cancer, arthritis, and gut issues like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. I am never going to sit around and tell you that a supplement will cure everything that ails you, but if you're looking for a turmeric supplement to help get your inflammation under control, I am extremely impressed with Paleo Valleys. To increase the bioavailability of turmeric, you need to consume it with black pepper, which most people know, and fat, which many people forget about. Paleo Valley's turmeric complex has black pepper and coconut oil to maximize absorption and three other powerful anti-inflammatories, ginger, rosemary, and clove, for a maximum synergistic response. It also has no fillers, binders, or preservatives and is made with all organic ingredients and just a veggie capsule. Finally, it's third-party tested, which is something I always look for in supplements as extra assurance of their quality. I've had my uncle taking this for about three months, and he's gone from having debilitating back pain due to an autoimmune condition to being almost completely pain-free. Paleo Valley has a number of other incredibly high-quality, food-derived supplements, including a vitamin C that I adore. Vitamin C is my ultimate favorite supplement for skin health, and a NeuroEffect mushroom powder that Zach loves for increasing energy and focus. So definitely explore their website. If you'd like to check out the turmeric complex, the vitamin C, the NeuroEffect, or any of Paleo Valley's other amazing products, head over to paleovalley.com and use the code LIZM for 15% off. That's paleovalley.com and code LIZM for 15% off your order. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. I love chatting about this stuff. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so that's editing. In terms of like the content, how do you manage finding your guests and even balancing things like conflicting information? And I spend a lot of time vetting my guests. Luckily, this is something that I had to do in my editorial days as well. And with editorial, it's even more nerve-wracking because you're putting your stamp of approval on it as a journalist, but also when I was at Mind Body Green, Mind Body Green's reputation was staked on me featuring experts that I could really stand behind the information of. So I really learned to dive deep into somebody's credentials, into their peer-reviewed papers, into how other people within the community viewed them. I think you can really find out, for instance, something that I love to do for doctors is I go on their Instagram or their Twitter, whatever sort of public-facing thing they have, if they have them, some don't, but if they do, and then I'll see what other doctors are 
are following them. And that really gives a sense of if they're respected in their community, who they're respected by. I always look into where their credentials are coming from and kind of like what is the greater scientific consensus within the community about this person. And I had to do that in editorial, and I do that pretty intensively on this podcast with any guests that I feature on this podcast. That said, people disagree with each other still, and I think that's okay. So I think that my idea with guests is to spend so much time researching and feeling comfortable with the people whose voices that I'm amplifying, but then giving space for one, the fact that these people, that the biggest top experts in their fields don't always agree with each other. And that's fine. That's how science works. That's how scientific discourse works. And we push forward and we learn more and we evolve in our understanding of health and our bodies and our brains and all of that. So I think that's really important. And then two, I think a huge thing is that different things work for different people. And because this is trying to speak to a large audience, I'm not sitting down one-on-one and getting advice for me or advice for you specifically, whoever's listening to this, things are going to be different. So I kind of have the expectation that one, I really appreciate the people, the trust that people put into me to vet and select people that are going to be interesting and fun and also be conveying good information. While two, taking what works for them. I think it's really, really important that what works for one person is not going to work for another person. People have different, literally everything from different schedules to different health needs to different biological makeups. And that's really important. So I think that all of the information I put out here is trying to help people. And I'm really expecting people to kind of like pick and choose what works for them, try stuff out if it resonates, work with your local doctor if you have any questions on anything ever. But I really, my dream takeaway would be to have everybody have like a few little things that they pull into their lives that make a real difference. And then also beyond that to be entertained and to have fun listening every single week. And to that point, when I'm choosing guests outside of the vetting and credentialing and all of that, I usually have sort of a subject in mind that I would like them to speak to. So for Ask the Doctors, I have a list of different Ask the Doctor topics that I want to cover. A lot are suggested by people in the community or a lot are just things that I think might be interesting. And I'm always kind of on the lookout for doctors that will fit into those Ask the Doctor categories. Also, I'm pretty connected and meshed in the publishing world, which is really, really nice. So I'm quite close with a number of different book publishers, and they send me all of the new books that are coming out in the science space and in the wellness space and in the health space. So I get to read all of those, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this would be a great podcast guest. This would be a great topic. And then sometimes there's just people that I'm fascinated by that I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with these people. I think that people would really enjoy it. So it kind of goes from any of those directions, I would say. Sounds great. So within that, what are some of the hacks or takeaways that you've learned from your podcast that have been very exciting for you personally? I know there's tons, but like, what are you doing every day, thinking through? What what are you prioritizing these days? Yeah, so there are a few. One that's always stuck with me was I got to interview Rick Hansen, who does a lot of work on happiness at Berkeley. He's one of my heroes. He's written so many amazing books. And I had him on for the Ask the Doctor Happiness Edition. And he talked about how essentially we can train our neural pathways to see more good, to feel better, and to 
just have like a happier, more content baseline. His whole thing is that neurons that fire together wire together. So when you see something that you like or you do something that you like, to just take a little bit of an extra moment to sit in that positive feeling. So if you're like looking at a beautiful sunset, just sit there for a second longer and think, I love this beautiful sunset. Just really marinate in that positive feeling. And by doing that marination process, you're helping those neurons fire together and thus wire together and actually priming yourself to feel more positive things and to notice more positive things in the future, which I think is really, really cool. I love that one. Also, on kind of like a flip side of feeling more positively, my dopamine episode, I cannot stop thinking about the dopamine episode, honestly. And the biggest takeaway for me, other than the one about why rich people aren't maybe as happy as I always think that rich people are. Should be. (laughs) It literally completely redefined or reconstituted my goals for wealth in my own life. So definitely listen to that if you're interested in that. But my other big takeaway from that one was that doing hard things makes it easier for us to feel pleasure in other parts of our life. So when I'm doing something hard, like a workout or a work thing that I don't like to do or a cold shower or things like that, I'm like, this is making it easier for me to feel good because it's balancing my dopamine levels, essentially. You have to listen to the episode to kind of get the full scientific dive into that. But it makes it so much easier for me to do hard things, and I need help doing hard things. Like I'm building character. <laughs> it's interesting because yeah, it's not like building character quite, but it does have like notes of that. And yeah, sorry, I'm, didn't mean to trivialize this. <laughs> well, I'm a person who has a hard time like doing hard things sometimes. Like I would default to just like laying on a sun chair and reading a book for you know forever. I think it's it's really easy to default into avoiding pain and keeping a very like, or not even pain, but discomfort, like, and keeping a very midline thing. But that's actually not what we're looking for. For sure. It's been so motivating for me, which makes sense because dopamine is all about motivation. And then for little things, Charlie Goss, her, she's from the stylist episode, How to Dress Cute, I think it's called, which, because that's really, I was like, Charlie, how do we dress cute? And um, she said that dressing for your proportions to like change or look a certain way is very much not the goal. And I've thought about that because I just have this default in my mind, I think from growing up, that's like, you should try to look taller. You should try to make your waist look smaller, et cetera. And she talks very much about how like that is not the goal. And I have her voice in the back of my mind when I'm shopping all the time. And then the glucose goddess episode, I think I have so many takeaways from that one, but green starters have been huge for us. We green starter all the time. So she talks about in the episode how if you have a green starter, which is just a serving of vegetables before you have a meal, it'll elongate your blood sugar curve and it'll just kind of help to minimize those glucose spikes that might make you feel less than good after eating a meal. And then obviously, if you minimize your glucose spikes over time, that can have a whole host of positive effects, which she talks about in the episode. So we do that all the time. Anytime we're eating any meal almost, we will be like, oh, let's just have like a small salad. Or when we eat out at restaurants. We have we have actually made a conscientious effort to change that. I've been really rocking the pickled carrots, like the naturally fermented carrots these days. Crush one of those bad boys. It's great. And it's just such an easy hack. And I love it particularly for eating out because you can always get some sort of veggie, some sort of salad. And again, it's not about 
eliminating anything, limiting anything. It's just like add in a veggie first and then eat your meal like normal. Well, and it's not going to like, it's not going to like save your life if you're eating like 500 bagels or like a million donuts. 500 bagels is scary. It's exactly how many bagels I want to eat at any given time. (laughs) Um, But like it, it does make you feel better. It does. It's a small hack. And I've noticed a real difference since I've started doing it. So I really like it. So I'd say that one. But there's tons of other ones. I mean, is there anything that you've changed in your life based on? A lot. But I also want to take a second to like simp a little and just say that like I one of the things I've really personally enjoyed about you doing this podcast and just like seeing how it's developed is that it really does a beautiful job of running a balance for the type of kind of like lifestyle enhancement that I think people like without being like either all about hard science or all about like fun chats with your people. Mm -hmm. Like it was just really interesting listening to right there list off things that go from like style to health to like just like general like mental health advice or like like, like kind of well-being advice. And I think that's really hard. It's actually like a really hard umbrella to try to anchor your work under. And I think you've done a really good job of that. And I Obviously, like people love it and respond to it, but like it is, it, it was kind of like a crystallization moment there for a second. So, thank you. I, just, I know you'll dine on that for a few minutes. I do think that we're whole people. So, I just try to think about like what are all of the things that I'm interested in that I'm thinking about that I would like to discuss with people. And I view this community as like my friends, these people that I want to have these discussions with. And I'm like, what information do we need to have these (laughs) discussions? Like, and we want to know about style and skincare. And we also want to know about like dopamine and gut health and hormone health and longevity. And I think that that's part of being a whole person, you know? I have a question about hair, skin, and supplement routines. Could you give us a rapid fire on what yours is? Oh God. Okay. So hair is super simple. I use Evolve H. It's like the only kind of more non-toxic ingredient hair care brand that I've found that's like even close to the salon ones that I used to use. And it doesn't have silicone in it, which is really important because the silicone can build up on your hair. So then you have to use more detergent-rich shampoos to get it off. So I love that, obsessed with that. And then I use the Actin Acre Deep Conditioner or the Rawa Deep Conditioner, and I sort of alternate those. And then I also use Olaplex about once a week. I'll put it on damp hair, and I'll let it sit in for up to 12 hours. I actually have my Olaplex bun in as we're recording this. And it looks hot. You, Zach, hates my old thing. You don't love it. Sexy (laughs) situation. It kind of looks like your hair hasn't been washed in a week, though. I feel like you always want my hair down. Like, if you could just, like – make my hair be down all the time. But this is what's going to make my hair hair look good when it's down ultimately. What? Deferred pleasure? Okay. And so that – the Olaplex makes a huge difference. It's a bond builder, so it's not just a conditioner. So it actually makes your hair like healthier at a deep level. But the key is to not just do it for the 10 minutes it says on the package. Do it like – a minimum of an hour and up to 12 hours, like, sleep in it. Probably because they know that no one would ever buy anything that, like, has a 24-hour you put it in for 12 hours and let it sit. And then I also do Purilux, which everybody knows I'm obsessed with Purilux. Purilux is an amino acid builder. It defrizzes your hair, and it's changed the texture of my hair completely. Obsessed with it. What else was it? Skin? That's my whole hair care routine. And I do cold showers at the end of my shower, every time I shower, and particularly when I wash my hair so that I rinse my hair in cold water, which makes it nice and shiny. And then what did you ask for skin? Skin and supplement. Supplement. Okay, so skin, also super simple. I use the Defenage, Defenage 
bio serum and moisture barrier repair. I forget the exact names. And the SkinCeuticals CE Ferulic. I love that. So I just do those three in the morning and that's it. I got that recommendation from Jen Hollander. She's amazing. You should follow her on Instagram. She has a ton of amazing skincare advice. She's a nurse who does aesthetic skincare down in LA. So she kind of created a skincare routine for me. So it's CU Ferulic and then this Defenage Bio Serum thing. It's like an eight-in-one serum. I really, really like it. It is incredibly expensive, but my philosophy on skincare is to use way less products and just to make the products that you use incredibly effective. And for skincare, we've talked about this in a number of the episodes, but really the goal for me with skincare is to do to repair collagen and to kind of build that elasticity, which is the vitamin C and then the retinol, which I'll talk about at night. But other than that, you're really just trying to protect from the environment. The environment is the most damaging thing for your skin. So most skincare should be focused on protecting you from pollutants and the sun and things like that. So I find that these two Defenage things, it's Defenage, I don't know, they really help with protecting my skin from the environment. And then I do my Marie Veronique sunscreen, which is a tinted moisturizer, obsessed with it. Same thing. It, when you start using sunscreen, it changes your skin. I've been trying to get Zach to use sunscreen for. I wear the tinted sunscreen. <laughs> I look great in it. You do. It really I evens your skin tone. And you and wore it? Yeah. It, I mean, it, makes it, me so it was happy. actually sunny yesterday. That makes me it, – it changes your skin though. Like literally just the – even if you're not doing any of the things that are like quote-unquote changing your skin internally, if all you're doing is protecting further damage from the environment, your skin's going to look really different. And then I do a retinol at night – or I sleep with nothing on my skin. I kind of alternate between literally nothing and a retinol. And that's a prescription tretinoin. I think it's 0.5%. And then I do laser treatments with Dr. Sam Ellis. I've done IPL, which builds collagen and also gets rid of sunspots. So that's my skincare. And then supplements super fast. It's really fast. I don't take that many supplements. I do athletic greens. And my supplements also change all the time based on the needs that I have at any given moment. But right now I'm doing athletic greens. I do a fish oil. I do the athletic greens D3 and K2. And I just put that in the athletic greens when I drink it. I do a magnesium. The pure encapsulation is magnesium. I don't do that every night. I do that a lot of nights. I do CBD Quite frequently, but probably not every single day. Which is more for anxiety, right? More for anxiety. It's great for inflammation. I do think that it has like a lot of benefits. Also at night, I take my seed pre and probiotic. I keep it on my bedside table so that I never forget to take it. I think it says on the package that you should take it in the morning. But I think the best time to take your pre and probiotic is when you can remember to take it consistently. So I just keep it on my bedside table. And it's like my last thing that I take before bed every night. And it doesn't need to be refrigerated. So that's nice. And then I wake up with good gut health. You do. (laughs) And I think that's it. I take like Hilma as needed if I have, you know, a specific thing like a headache or a stomach thing or something like that. And then there might be other stuff that I reach for if I have a specific thing that I'm trying to address at that time. Like I've alternated in the Paleo Valley turmeric. I have you on that right now for your knee. Which is feeling great. Which is feeling great. But yeah, everything else is sort of as needed. But those are my base supplements right now. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. We love talking about our gut health here on the Healthier Together podcast, which is why I'm so excited to share the life-changing Seed Daily Symbiotic. I actually discovered Seed back when I was working as an editor full-time. A bottle came across my desk and I was instantly taken by how cute the green glass packaging is. 
Then I found out that that packaging was actually refillable so that Seed could share its products as sustainably as possible. And then I actually looked into the research behind Seed and, well, I was blown away. First of all, Seed is not just a probiotic. It is a symbiotic. That means it contains both pre and probiotics, which is super important. In fact, if you remember my Ask the Doctor Gut Health Edition, we talked about how prebiotics are one of the most important and often underlooked components of great gut health. Let me break it down for you. Probiotics are the live bacteria that are so beneficial to our gut health, but prebiotics are the food that those probiotics need to thrive. If you don't have ample prebiotics, the probiotics you're consuming will be undernourished and not be able to help your health in the way that you want. Speaking of your health, there's also a common misconception that probiotics or symbiotics are for people with gut issues, which is so not true. Yes, the seed symbiotic is amazing for your gut health, but your gut health impacts everything in your entire body, your skin, your mental health, your cardiovascular health, your ability to actually assimilate the maximum amount of nutrients from all that healthy food you're eating. Having a happy gut is critical for all of it. It is hard to narrow down everything else that I love about seed. I am extremely particular with my supplements and I don't take many, but seed is just stellar across the board. It's been tested and tested and tested. Seriously, their testing process is bananas to make sure that it has 100% survival through the digestive process, which is so rare. And somehow they do all of that without needing refrigeration, which is very handy. I find that when I have refrigerated probiotics, I just forget about them and they get buried behind like old jars of pasta sauce, whereas I keep these on my bedside table so I'm reminded to take them every single night. They also contain the 24 strains that are the most scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. I am obviously passionate about this stuff. Taking care of my gut has been a key part of my own anxiety journey, and Seed has been a vital part of that. So feel free to reach out with any questions. And if you like learning about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to Seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in some of the easiest to understand ways that I have ever seen. And if you'd like to try Seed for yourself and pretty much change your life forever, you can get 15% off your first month's supply of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic by going to seed.com slash daily dash symbiotic and using the code Liz Moody. Again, that's code Liz Moody on seed.com slash daily dash S-Y-N-B-I-O-T-I-C. Now let's get back to the episode. Here's some rapid fire ones. Okay. Rapid. Relationship advice for knowing you're in the right one. In the right one being in the right relationship. What would you say? I would say, you know, you're in the right relationship. Forming the sentence to buy time. You know, you're in the right relationship when I think you're basically happy waking up with that person more days than not. And when I think that person makes you laugh and gets, and like it helps, helps basically fulfill like your basic human needs as a person to like enjoy life. Do you think that the person that you're in a relationship with needs to be like an expander or transforming you into a better version of yourself for your life? No, absolutely not. I, th- I just think that you want to be capable of living the life that you want with that person as well, which is more to say that like, yeah, they can, they can help make your life better or they can help you feel good as you're making your own life better. Or you, you can just be happy together and, and able to, you know, kind of like run. But I think basically when people are limiting each other, that's kind of where you get into 
kind of questions of, of, is this the best one for me? I like that. I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on relationships to be like absolutely everything. Like they're pushing me forward in life and they're entertaining me and they're great in bed and like all of these things. And I think that's just like a lot of pressure to, and they're my main emotional support, like whatever. It's a lot of pressure for one person. I would, I'd sort of agree with you. So don't think that I'm copying, but I do think that the idea is that most of what a relationship is, is hanging out with another person. And I think that if most days you wake up and you're like, this is the person I want to like shoot the shit with. This is the person that I want to watch a TV show with, to go for a walk with. Like they're the person I want to hang out with. I think yeah. that's a sign the relationship yeah. is good. For sure. I think that's a good distillation. Was that rapid fire enough for you? No. Proudest of compliment so far. Probably the podcast and this relationship, my relationship with you. I think oh, I've learned snap. so much about my relationship with this community and then my relationship with you. I think I've learned so much about myself through both and I've grown so much and I've had to push through hard things. You're saying you value your relationships. Yeah. I, I, healthier together. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Best and worst parts of a nomad life and maybe like a quick uh, pop through some of the more logistical hurdles that help make it possible. That's not rapid fire. I don't care. Best and worst parts. Okay. Best and worst parts. Best part is I love the novelty. I love the adventure. I'm a Sagittarius moon, which <laughs> I feel like it's important to no. know. Um, <laughs> and that's like the, from what my sister tells me, it's like the really adventure wanderlusty sign. And so I very much identify with that. And I love the ability to be like, I'm exploring a whole new place today. I'm in a whole new frame of mind. I do think that the person that we are is, you know, there's parts of it that are static, but also there are parts of it that are a product of and respond to our environment. And I like this ability to kind of try on different outfits of my personality as we travel and move through the world. So I'd say that's the best part for me. The worst part is no community and packing, which I think you would agree with. God, packing. Yeah, packing yeah, sucks. Packing sucks. Packing like. And I do, I do feel like the community thing is the type of thing that can be better facilitated when we're not like popping between like lockdown towns and you yeah. know. When it's easier to like go to a yoga class and like meet for people sure. and stuff like that. I do think that the the kind of takeaway for the the best part of it is like how like increasing novelty in your life is just such a great thing. And it makes your life technically longer. Or I don't know if you call it perceptually longer. Technically feel longer. Perceptually feel longer. Perceptually feel longer. Because when we process novelty, it actually like sticks in our brain more and you'll remember a time period as more robust and you'll have more memories from and all that. There's a, a bunch of really interesting scientific literature about even if you like take a different route to work every day, mm-hmm. that increasing novelty in your life creates more memories. It makes things feel longer. It just makes your whole life feel more robust and interesting, I think. Last one. Challenges and perks of being like a solo entrepreneur because like, like you basically – this kind of brings us back career journey thing. I worked in an office for years. Exactly. And then at some point you said, you know, like I want to be the editorial resource called Liz Moody, which yeah. is it comes with a lot. It comes with trusting, building trust about you personally, not relying on the trust of an institution. Yeah. And then like a million units of overhead for managing a company or, you know, managing this or managing that and also tons of risk and ostensibly reward. So, so yeah, give us, that sounds scary. Take, take us home with that. I don't that. know if I want to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say that the 
best part is very related to what you said, which is that I get to choose. Like anytime I'm creating content, I'm literally completely in control of what that content is. And after years of producing content for different companies where it was really about their editorial vision and their messaging, it's really nice for me to say, what do I want to put out in the world and get to put that out? So that's super fun. I absolutely love that. And it's it's really fun. And also I do think it's a pro and con, but you have a little bit of control over your own income. You can kind of be like, oh, if I work harder, I can make more money. Whereas when I worked a full-time job, it was flat, like unless you get a raise, which I asked for very often, too often. (laughs) Said all of her previous employers. Somebody said to me very early in my career that like women didn't ask for raises enough. And I was like, I'm going to ask every month. month. (laughs) (laughs) And I think at one point my employer was like, Liz, like we gave you $10,000 more like last month. We like really appreciate your gumption here, (laughs) but you got to roll it back. And I was like, okay, okay, got it. But other than that, you kind of have a more static salary. And when you work for yourself, you can kind of control it a little bit more, but that's also a little scary because it's very volatile. Like you'll have months where you're making all sorts of money, you feel on top of the world. And then the next month you will, no matter what you do, no matter what levers you pull, you don't feel like you're making any money. And also I think that volatility extends long-term. Like nobody knows what an influencer career looks like in 15 years because we haven't had influencers for 15 years. And I think that that's something that I think about a lot is like, I love this career now, but will I still be able to do it in five years, 10 years, 15 years? And that really scares me. It's something I spend too much time thinking about. And even because like the mediums change. Yeah. The channels, the public channels that we use to put content out change by the day. For sure. I know a lot of people who aren't, they don't feel they're good at creating video content and they're feeling really left behind in today's media climate where video is kind of king. So I think that that's a really scary thing or just like waking up and feeling like you're on the wrong side of the algorithm one day. Like it, I know that you don't. Zach, as somebody who works in tech, Zach's always like, the algorithm doesn't have feelings well, about I'm, it. And also, like, there's not single algorithms. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like that one. You hate when people, like, say that. But I don't hate it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just a shorthand for I don't feel like stuff that I'm putting out there is, is getting seen, seen by the right people. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's a bad part. And then my other bad, worst thing is that I really miss community. Man, I was such like a water cooler girl at work. Like I was, we didn't have a water cooler. We had like- Cups a, called a snacks table, which is Liz's desk. We had a very nice like water filtration system, of course, because it was a wellness office. But I was like, the chatty person in the office. I'd be like popping around people's desks. I'd be like, oh, you need help with the title. You want to brainstorm about this project. How was your weekend? And I loved that. And I still got my work done, you know? Like I think that that social component actually leads to better work often and happier employees. I mean, we're not productive when we're sitting at a desk like without getting up, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I really miss that. So Zach and I obviously do that to each other now. I'm like, hey, how's it going? What's up? But you know, that's, that can only go so far. So I'd, I'd say if I could have, if the Liz Moody brand could someday have a big office and lots of exciting, interesting start, people. Start the little office, right? <laughs> a little office, but exciting, interesting people doing exciting, interesting things. Like that would really make me very happy. Let's end it there. And let's all hope for that and manifest put those vibes it. and manifest that. And thank you so much for all you put out in the world and for doing all that. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me today, Zach. I really appreciate it. And also to everybody who is listening, 
literally this community is the thing that's helped the podcast grow to this level. It's helped me get such incredible guests. Like everything I do here is the product of you taking very real time out of your day to listen to it and to have conversations about it and to send it to your friends. You guys are literally the best people. Like every time I get a DM from somebody, they're like, oh my God, I love this podcast so much. I sent it to like 11 friends already. And I'm like, first of all, 11 friends. That's very impressive. <laughs> Do I have 11 friends? It's just really nice to feel like this whole incredible group of people has my back and is invested in this work that I'm producing. It makes it feel so much more rewarding to produce. So to everybody who is listening, who's gotten this far in this episode, who's gotten this far on the Healthier Together 100 episode journey, I appreciate you massively. And I just, I love this work so much and I feel so grateful that I get to do it. So I will see you next week on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. We have a really good one next week. We're with a great guest. So 101, baby. 101. So tune in and have a great rest of your day. It takes a lot for a health supplement company to wow me, but Symbiotica really breaks the mold. If you haven't discovered them yet, they make really different products than any other supplement company I've seen before. They have a lot, so I highly recommend that you check out their website and take their quiz to find out what's best for your specific goals, but I wanted to call out a few of my personal favorites. First of all, the topical magnesium. You all know I love magnesium, and I've always wanted a topical spray that wasn't sticky, that felt good and luxurious to use and that actually let the magnesium absorb into my body, which requires DMSO as an ingredient, which I have actually never seen in any other product. If you have achy muscles or sore feet, this is literal heaven, and I also love it before bed to help with sleep. And then I have become increasingly interested in minerals. We talk a lot about vitamins, but adequate minerals are so key for energy. And unfortunately, it's become harder to get adequate minerals because our soil is so depleted of them. The Symbiotica Shilajit supplement is one of the best mineral supplements that I've found. And the research around Shilajit is profound. There's robust human and animal research that shows it acts on ATP in a way that significantly helps restore and create energy, which is one of the biggest things that I love it for as a low-caffeine consumer. There's also robust research around its anti-inflammatory properties, its brain protective properties, and more. I think of it more as a whole food than a supplement. It's a naturally occurring resin, and I just mix a little bit of it into my afternoon tea or my decaf coffee drinks. And like all Symbiotica products, there are no additives, fillers, toxins, or artificial flavors. Of course, I have a special discount for you. You can use code LizMoody to get 15% off plus free shipping on subscription orders. Again, that's code LizMoody for 15% off on symbiotica.com.